This is Coda Radio, episode 557 for February 13th, 2024. Hey you, you nailed it today, and welcome back to Jupiter Broadcasting's weekly talk show, taking a pragmatic look at the art, the business, the software development, and the whole world of technology. Me, it don't matter. My name's Chris. What matters is our host is here, Mr. Dominic. Hello, Mike. Hello. Hello. And no, do you know what matters? Hello? Yeah, what? It is the year of the dragon. (laughs) Yes. And the Chinese government is encouraging you to have little dragons this year. You know what? I was watching a Chinese New Year celebration while I was at a Japanese restaurant eating sushi this uh, morning or lunch. And I noticed, you know, as a father, you see different things. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I I noticed properly attired young people, obedient children, and what I can only describe as the dream I wish I was living. Ah, so you were watching a 1980s movie. No, no, it was a real, it was a Chinese <laughs> New Year celebration. No, I know, I know. I know it is the Chinese New Year right now. And uh, there is an active campaign to encourage more kids. And they're they're pitching it as having little dragons. And I just love the idea of bureaucrats sitting around a table thinking, how could we get the people to have more kids? I know. Honestly, I think I could handle like four more kids if they were as well behaved as Chinese children on TV. <laughs> I, you know, my grandpa... I wonder if this would be a great thing for people to boost in. How many generations back until there was just a ridiculous amount of kids? Because uh, my grandfather had 11 – well, I guess he was – he had 10 siblings. He had 10 siblings and it was 11 kids total. And when he was, I believe, 14, he was working in the local like factory or whatever. Damn right. And I'm not even kidding you. Grandpa told me once – and this is not just a joke – they thought it would be great, and they loved chewing on the fresh tar that was being laid down on the roads while they'd walk to the factory. So far, I've heard nothing wrong. <laughs> I, I, I just want to say, like, I, I think I, as we get older, you know, my, yeah. my grumpiness is now for a generation that's like four removed from mine. I know. Right. I'm like, you know what? Why doesn't the draft start at 12? You know what today's generation is doing? TikTok? No. Well, yes. No, they're pretending to be in Zoom meetings. So this is something I discovered right before the show that I am very tickled by. GitLab, in the name of transparency, posts their internal Zoom recordings to YouTube. And some of those, and they're really boring meetings, have hundreds of thousands of views. Because, and this is obviously true once you start reading the comments, people are putting these things full screen and pretending like they are in the meetings. They pretend like they are in the meetings. Yeah. That's kind yeah. of Oh, it's oh it's glorious. Can I, here's a couple of the comments I want to read to you. This is on the these are on some of their videos. Four hundred thousand views, three hundred thousand views. I'll link to an example. GoPro CBR says sometimes when I need to get away from the kids for a bit, I turn this on and close the door. Thank you. And that has 127 upvotes, by the way. Cam DeLong says, does anyone talk back to the video when your family walks by, or is it just me? Dan says, this meeting has been more used to me than any other actual work meeting. (laughs) Okay, that's not just it. That's not just it. Somebody else writes, I play this when I need my family to leave me alone. It's so helpful. Somebody else writes, I play this when I need to pretend I'm busy. This meeting is literally about anything I want it to be. (laughs) So they're putting these Zoom meetings up full screen 
And man, there's oh, so many comments like this. People like uh, uh, one person in here is like, oh, well, I, I got left. I, I got fired from my job and I haven't told my wife yet. So when she walks in, I just pretend like I'm on this call. <laughs> and they are very boring. They are not something people are just sitting back to watch. It's hilarious. It's a genre I never expected is people pretending, pretending to participate in a Zoom call. We make a lot of jokes and a lot of up for for a laugh. Um, I would have not thought, you know, if as a joke that this was, uh, you know, too far, right? Too too much beyond the pale. But damn, I have a begrudging respect for the commenters here because what a good idea. They're owning it. Right, and that you could like tab out to like a game or something. <laughs> Just Imagine though for a moment being on GitLab's social media team and trying to figure out like why your YouTube channel is crushing it. <laughs> Trying to figure out why these boring, just completely typical Zoom meetings for a group of people that are remote, why they're getting 200 and 300,000 views and trying to just like suss that out. And then, <laughs> and then reading through the comments and kind of putting it together and then having to tell management the actual reason why the account is performing well. I mean, it's just the entire thing is hilarious if you picture it from an internal perspective. Could you imagine, like, so why is the YouTube channel doing so well? Well, we did an analysis, and <laughs> it tickles me, Mike. It tickles me a lot. This could go full inception. Someone working at GitLab could use a fake GitLab meeting to pretend to be working at GitLab. Uh-huh. All right, yeah. somebody call Leo. That's it. I, I see. I see. I won't name names, uh, but I see people in the chat room saying that they're going to take this idea. Yeah, I'll have a link. I'll have a link or two in the uh, show notes if you want to do Code or Radio, destroying developer productivity you, for you 13 gotta, years. You know, listen, that's clear value, though. You got to boost in. <laughs> you got <laughs> you to boost on this one. Think about it. If you can both avoid your actual job and your kids and family at the same time and play, you know, Hearthstone or Magic Arena or, oh, dear, sweet Star Trek Online, then, uh, yeah, you, you need to pay us. I appreciate you giving the uh, Stoa mention. You know, it just it doesn't get love. It doesn't. I'd say live long and prosper, but uh, mm. Mm. just barely survive. Well, listen, we're going to be talking about NVIDIA today. Uh, but before we started, NVIDIA came out with a bit of a banger of a news announcement. If you've got a big, fancy, expensive video card, you can now load their custom system that lets you chat with an LLM that you load, I believe, runs it all on your GPU and it's supposed to be like a chatbot that interacts with your documents, understands your local files, all of that, and is your own chat GPT with everything done on device, nothing uploaded to the cloud, no internet connection required, just like an $800 GPU. But actually, I mean, you know, I've, I've been looking at it uh, before we started. It's, it's pretty comprehensive. The UI is lean and mean, and it's actually pretty neat. It's available for download today, this morning, as we go on the air, if you've... If you got a big old fancy RTX card, hmm. it's like everybody's going to have this, I suppose, right? We're going to just see this from everybody for a while. I'm sorry, Chris. I was just uh, purchasing some Nvidia stock. I wasn't listening. What? Right. I know. Right. Um, I really kind of think before the year is over, we are going to converge on a point where all of these models that have just been trained on the general open web are all going to be roughly about the same in functionality. And I think we're kind of already arriving there to a degree. Yes. And so I don't mean to sound like a uh, hipster, but doesn't really impress me anymore. Okay, Shania, calm down. 
you know, really, it doesn't. It's like, oh, okay, another another model trained on the general web. Cool. But you know what might impress you? What? I was talking to some wonderful people in the venture capital community. Truly great guys. Wonderful folks. Mm-hmm. Mm, no subtext here. Uh, and a metric, this is why I think they're absolutely fantastic, is now how many GPUs is a startup buying? You got to be kidding me. It's the dumbest thing because it, it's so easy to pervert that incentive, right? Okay. <laughs> My company, Do Nothing Inc., just raised a billion dollars. And what we're going to do is we're going to buy all the, you know, the NVIDIA CUDAs that we can get. Right. Yeah, or at least put a huge pre-order in. I mean, sure, it may take two years before it gets fulfilled, but look at all these GPUs we have on pre-order. It's a metric. It's, it's Even for the publicly traded companies, it's a metric that the markets are tracking now. <sighs> I think it's insane because it's like, so would you, if you were like opening a restaurant, well, how many knives did the chef buy this? Like, no, it, it doesn't It doesn't matter. <laughs> That's such a great analogy. Yeah. How many forks? Right. Oh, my gosh. All right. Well, I think it's time we get into it because NVIDIA has owned this cycle. Trustybook.com slash coder. That's trusteebook.com slash coder. A simple, easy to use workbook that helps you take control of your digital legacy. Finally, and you can get started right now. Support the show and take $10 off at trustybook.com slash coder. Trust ebook is something we've all needed. It's a digital estate planning tool by Nerd Butler. You can create hard copies of your most important information. It's continuity planning for small businesses, but really we all need this. We need hard copies of our important online digital accounts and records in case of emergency, should something happen to you, or even when you're traveling. Having hard copies of your now vital digital data is, I think, maybe due diligence, if we could use these terms. I mean, I think this is true for businesses, absolutely. But I'm also feeling like this is more and more just for families, too, or individuals, perhaps, that have dependents of some type. See, TrustyBook helps you create a comprehensive plan for managing your digital estate. That includes, like, passwords, social media accounts, and other important account information. And the best part, in my opinion, is TrustyBook is intended to be used offline. You download it, You use it offline. You keep it offline. You feel confident that your information is private and safe. And they have a really comprehensive approach. They're adding stuff all the time, and they have a very user-friendly design. It's a must-have for anyone who wants to avoid confusion or potential disaster for their loved one should something happen to you or to your business or, heaven forbid, you just get locked out of your Google account. You know, I mean, it doesn't have to be something dramatic either. It can just be the day-to-day, which is extremely frustrating, and TrustyBook helps you hedge against that. You know what I'm talking about. If you've ever gotten locked out of one of your important accounts or, you know, when traveling, that stuff too, it's just, it's the worst. And after the fact, it's no good. You need to have that stuff before that event occurs. So go to trustebook.com. That's trustebook.com slash coder. You'll save 10 bucks. You'll support the show. It's a simple, easy-to-use workbook that helps you take control of your digital legacy. And that's just getting more important all the time. Take 10 bucks off, support the show. Go to trustebook.com slash coder. That's trusteebook.com slash coder. NVIDIA is sitting somewhere around a $1.8, $1.7 trillion market cap. During the week, it's been bouncing around, but they surpassed Amazon to become the fourth largest company in the United States. 
They have passed both Google and Amazon this week. Since January 1st alone, NVIDIA has added $650 billion to their market cap. That is more than the entire value of Tesla in less than six weeks. They're on a tear. Even today, as you and I record, uh, the market is down overall because the CPI report was up, but not NVIDIA. (laughs) They're still doing great. I'll tell you the argument I've heard is that it's the shovel argument, is that the AI stuff is real and the shovels are going to be really the people, the shovel sellers are going to be the people that make the money. And so it's not a bad investment because even if individual AI companies come and go, the demand for the AI hardware will remain. Well, it's it's real, but you know we we know the trends here, right? This is going to become cheaper and more uh, commoditized. I mean, I can guarantee you that we will get notes or tweets or X's, I guess. Although, hey, we all have X's, right? Telling us about risk you know, the risk architecture and how that's going to change the game. And then the ARM guys are going to come in and say, so the new ARM and then the Intel guys, <laughs> there are no Intel guys. Who am I kidding? But yeah, it's going to devalue this. And this this kind of seems like it could be unsustainable for NVIDIA. It seems if you were to like, if we were to go based off of any kind of experience that we have with the overall tech market, it does seem like, these things don't actually end up being the ongoing right boom right they they eventually and it, we have we must be close i mean nvidia is at a point now where they have they've rallied essentially nonstop since august of uh, last year I, I i they are in a way they are propping up almost part of the market now the reason why i mention all of this is because i think it's it's like a it's like a reflection of the entire tech industry and how absolutely singularly focused all new development has become on chips. And I think what we're seeing here is we're waiting for another king or, or you know, a, a, a Pepsi to come to somebody's Coke with AI chips. And, and until we either see NVIDIA falter, which the revenue is the revenues are about to come out uh, in a few days after this episode, either we're going to see some faltering there, which I doubt – or we're going to see, you know, a Pepsi contender kind of thing. Um, and <laughs> Sam Altman wants to raise $7 trillion for AI chips. Yeah, the CEO of OpenAI is seeking a whopping $7 trillion. He's tapping mega investors like the UAE, SoftBank, uh, Taiwan Semiconductors, and others. The initiative aims to build the world's largest chip building capacity and um, seven trillion dollars is about seven to eight percent of the entire global gdp mike so it's just a bonkers number yeah that seems like too much it's interesting this guy went from the nice tech guy oh he happened to work at y combinator to now like this is truly like you know zuckerberg will talk about augustus right octavian augustus caesar this dude literally has global ambitions which Again, I don't understand how you could ever recap the $7 trillion. I'm going to maintain my thesis that Sam Altman is a maniac. Uh, In my opinion, he's a psychopath. And in my opinion, he's playing everyone. I'm going to maintain that thesis. And this just plays into that. 
And I watched him backpedal this position over the weekend on Twitter, where at first he started with these lofty, ambitious goals about raising all of humanity and the production of AI chips is essential. And he started like this very much overambitious Sam Altman style presentation about how we're going to change the world. And then, you know, several hours later when he had to go, it came down to, well, I don't actually really know much about this initiative. I think uh, one of my guys, one of my staff has been dealing with this. Yeah. I think he's great, but yeah, no, it's not really my thing directly. Like he starts with, we're going to change the world. And over a series of four or five tweets, he tries to distance himself from the initiative altogether. I think, in my opinion, he's a psychopath. I think he's a liar. And I think he's trying to just create buzz because the idea that this sort of supplements is AI is going to be such a revolutionary change that we're going to fundamentally rob the earth of all its precious materials and reorganize the entire industrial manufacturing world so that way we can support AI chips because we're supporting the supposition that AI is going to be so integral and so important that we'll need all these chips, right? So it it's like creating this – it's adding to this world, to this idea that AI is so important, that AI is going to be such in huge demand – that we're going to have AI baked into our microwaves, our toasters, our cars, our phones. We're going to have dedicated chips to do on-device processing because AI is so important. We're going to need the $7 trillion. And it's really about almost boosting the need for open AI and the market position of open AI and, and sort of like making all of us think of AI in these grandiose, important terms by just claiming the $7 trillion number when neither one is actually true. There's no way he'll raise that money. And I will point out the only way, the only way, and this is why he had to distance himself, the only way he gets $7 trillion is if he taps oil money. And that just doesn't sit well in Silicon Valley, does it? They take oil money all the time. Well, that's the funny thing. It would be hilarious to watch. It would be hilarious to watch. Um, it, the idea of stripping the earth of $7 trillion worth of minerals to build these chips in a few short years is also hilarious and massively environmentally destructive. <laughs> but I don't think old Liz Warren's going to care about that too much. Well, it's also kind of stupid on its face, right? So, so the current industry, is, as you have here, is roughly $527 billion for semiconductors. This would be a scaling up. Of just, I mean, I don't think any industry scaled up like this before, at all, right? Like ever. No. Also, it 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 seems like it's weirdly ambitious, but also kind of short sighted because I mean, if you're if you're gonna be like galaxy brain, super, you know, Bond villain in your in your goals, well, maybe you should start talking about manufacturing this crap that's highly toxic to manufacture, you know, in space, right? Not on Earth. Which is yeah. Less that, now that's Bond villain. Yeah, I like where you're going. Well, what, what, that's actually less crazy than it sounds, right? It, you know, if you did this slowly and scaled over time, you would probably end up there. Because what are we going to like? You know, we're, we're running out of like low income, low power countries to pollute. Right. I, I guarantee you, at some point in the next ten years, the Chinese are not going to tolerate this bullshit anymore. Well, I would go beyond that. I mean, just go look. Go duck, duck, go image search, lithium mines and gold mines. Yep. It is rough. <laughs> like, do we really, really actually want to do that? You know, people get all hot and bothered about Bitcoin mining. Meanwhile, they're totally fine with diamond mining, gold mining, 
precious metal mining for their smartphone where they can go on Twitter and bitch about Bitcoin mining, right? And they have no idea, no idea about how the actual demand and response programs work. But when you look at these kind of ambitions, like this kind of stuff makes me an environmentalist. When I hear Sam talking like this, I feel like I want to become like part of Greenpeace. This is ridiculous and it's just not worth it. Well, and, you know, love him or hate him, but Elon has proven that if you have the ambition and the talent, a lot of the space stuff, it turns out, is more possible than we thought, right? I like the way you think. I like this. Do the do the polluting out there. Do the polluting out there. There's tons of minerals in space. There's tons of asteroids. They don't even have an ocean out there. Well, it's, 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 it's not even that. It's, it's theoretically infinite, right? Also, making the oil nations rich is for your ego is maybe not the best thing. I think we saw Google blink again this last week. They have been surprisingly sheepish with their AI public initiatives. So you remember, Mike, when Bard came out, I I hated the name. A lot of people hated the name. You actually liked the name, if I recall. You thought Bard was a good name. I did think Bard was a good name. Shakespeare, come on. I know. I feel like everybody settled in. I don't mind it anymore. I got used to it. I think you were right. We got used to it, just like we got used to iPad. iPad, of all things. But my God, iPad? What is it, a feminine product? Right? Like, we got used to iPad. Is it an iHeavy flow day? Is that what you're getting? Yeah. And we got used to Bard. But Google blinked, and they've renamed it to Gemini, which reflects the model underneath. I understand their logic, but I think from a branding standpoint, it shows you... Bard was a better name. I think it shows you just the quintessential problem here. And that is Google's leadership keeps fumbling this, and they blame it on the staff. So I want to go back in time and just remind everybody of a couple of Google I.O.s ago. Google was ahead of everybody on conversational AI. Everybody. Google has been going down this direction, becoming an AI company for as long as I can remember. They were way ahead of ChatGPT and anything OpenAI was doing, but they fumbled it. And every response since then, they've also fumbled. And Gemini honestly kind of feels like another failed execution. And it's it's absolutely bonkers to me, Mike, because if you accept my prior assertion that a lot of these generically web-trained models are all kind of becoming the same, which if you try these, I think, it's, I think that's the inevitable conclusion, then you would think Google would have something so far and beyond what ChatGPT4 is capable of because Google has Gmail and Google has YouTube, which has video and audio and text and all of the comments. And Google has every other property out there where they can publicly collect data. They have unique sources like nobody else, like nobody else. And yet their product doesn't really stand out from anything else. And I thought this was absolutely hilarious. A user was trying out Gemini and they wanted to know the absolute fastest way to copy memory in C Sharp. And so they went to the new Gemini model and they said, hey, what's the absolute fastest way to do this? And Gemini responds, quote, I understand your desire for absolute speed, but I cannot provide you with unsafe code examples. Even if I did, it would be irresponsible and against my principles. Unsafe code, while potentially faster, comes with immerse, immense security and stability risks. And it goes on to lecture him for two more paragraphs. Oh, live a little. This... This is the state of AI now. This is the state of AI now. Is when you ask for the fastest way to copy memory in C Sharp, you get a lecture by the bot. Because we're so damn concerned about safety. 
I hope everybody's happy. So are you thinking it's like a, an actual lexic, uh, lexical error where, you know, the word safety, they meant it like political safety or like, you know, moral safety, and it took it to mean coding safety? No, 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 no. I think it's safety in the corporate sense, which really means risk tolerance, which really means risk avoidance. So any risk, not just political, right? We were so concerned about political speech and we were so concerned about copying famous people and doing AI voices of Liz and Joe. We never stopped to thought that all of these companies are going to be incentivized then to just absolutely avoid risk. Once we start talking like this, that's what they do. They do risk avoidance. And what we get is this absolutely horrible, watered-down, brand-safety AI response for everything. And I think if you look at future generations trying to get actual good information and trying to really truly understand what's going on, and sometimes it's useful to use these edge cases, like how do I just do this the fastest way possible? So I, maybe you're intentionally trying to break something, and it won't let you. Like nobody ever gets to take the back off their device now and figure out how it works. It's everything from the phone to the AI we interface with is batteries included, fully sealed. Mm. Yeah, I mean, that's, you know, yeah, right. Everything's an appliance, effectively. I just, <laughs> how do we fix this? Can't fix it. No, there's got to be a way. The next, the, we're already in the from appliance to services transition, right? Where you're not going to actually own things. You'll be paying a fee to lease or use it. I mean, go to the Verizon store and try to buy a phone with no, like, as a new customer. They don't want to sell you a phone. I can't accept it because this technology isn't even really all that useful yet, right? Like, we've gotten to, like, 10 to 20%, maybe, maybe 1% of its actual usefulness, and it's already <laughs> like this? No, I, I just can't have it. There's got to be another way. It came out in the wrong year. What do you want? I mean, that's, that's where this all started. I don't know, man. That is some... That is some, like, we're never going to get to our Star Trek future with that. That's never going to happen. Well, at best. It's going to be the expanse. Yeah, it's good. It's going to be something. I think it's going to be more uh, Firefly. Coder.show slash membership. It's back. The Jar Jar discount. I don't know. I said no more. And then some guy got in there, you will never guess who, and turned it back on. If you use the promo code JARJAR when you become a member, you can take two bucks a month off the lifetime of your membership while you're supporting this here independent pod. There are, I don't know, probably about 10 redemptions left. I didn't turn it back on, so I couldn't tell you. All I know is this is a great opportunity to support this show. We need it more than ever, and you can get an ad-free version to thank you. And when we finally get off our duffs and record that virtual coder QA... It goes out to the members. There's also a whole back catalog of Coder QAs. And this discount, the Jar Jar promo code, applies to new members, existing members. Yes, even existing members as a thank you. Or those of you who have maybe had to unsubscribe for a bit and you're ready to resubscribe, you can use promo code Jar Jar as well. Just go to coder.show. It's a new URL. You never heard it before. It's coder.show. Yep, brand new. You can do dot shows now. Who knew? Slash membership. Coder.show slash membership. Well, our hopes were dashed this week when the EU decided they're not going to go after iMessage and a couple of other things like Microsoft pushing Edge and a few other things because, quite simply, they don't have enough market share to matter and they do not require additional scrutiny. And so there's going to be no EU busting the iMessage monopoly. I, I'm always torn on these. 
I, I, I don't like um, something coming in and influencing this market at the same time. I hate the iMessage situation, so I'm always torn on these issues. Where do you lie? I don't care. Um, I, you know, I think the iMessage lock-in is just good business. I don't know. I don't think this is a big deal. I mean, I, I kind of wish the EU would just not worry about some of the dumb stuff. I was hoping they would force a USB-C situation here. That was good. Well, they did, right? They did force the USB-C. I know. I was hoping we kind of have a similar situation here. Um, I mean, Apple's already adopting RCS. It's yeah, I suppose maybe maybe that is going to fix it's it. Fine. I mean, if 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 we really wanted to beg our friends at the EU to do something, I almost think like you know, and we should have had this in the show, but we don't. But let's do it. So Apple's response to the EU App Store uh, ruling was to cripple Safari. <laughs> yeah. 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 Right. I mean, that's that's kind of uh, it's funny. I had a whole blog post drafted about how like the EU ruling was going to be great, even in the states. It was going to uh, effectively force Apple to compete with browser technologies and stop uh, gimping Safari. It'd be a kind of a renaissance in PWAs. And no, Apple, you know, it's it's their malicious compliance, right? They they went and they just literally crippled the browser engine. <laughs> <laughs> like it's actually worse. It's going to be worse than it was before on purpose just to make PWAs less viable, which is just I mean that's my that's my conclusion. I have to I have to imagine that well, I mean, no, they, they won't did, say they, that. They did it on purpose, right? This isn't yeah, like right. there's no mystery. They're not even being subtle about it. They just chose to do it. So I don't know. <sighs> the only open platform left is is web technologies, right? It's the web. And and Linux. Yeah, but even then, there's so much packaging bull. Yeah, like if you really want an open platform that everybody can be on, it, it's the web, and the web is. I mean, Apple is single-handedly putting a cap on the quality of web applications because of their aggressive gimping of Safari on mobile. Obviously, I have been amazed, amazed at the quality of VR applications in the Quest browser, which is Chrome-based. I mean, like, I'm talking. Stuff that you would download, stuff that you would think would have to be like a native download from the App Store quality. Mm. You can just go to a URL and hit the button and boom, you're in this massive, immersive VR experience through the web browser. And um, I am happy to say I, I feel like I'm seeing more of that. Like the just a lot of the VR stuff is browser is browser first. And it seems like Vision Pro users have a good experience, and Quest users have a good experience. Now, there's still a lot of App Store stuff, obviously, but, I mean, I've just, just the last week since the previous episode, I've spent playing around with web apps and have just been completely flabbergasted at how good they are. They fall on VR games. You can walk around in immersive environments and all that. You just go to the web URL. Boom, you're in. So some stuff's still alive and, and thriving on the web, right? Does that make you feel better at all? No. <laughs> okay, I tried. I tried. You know what? You need to go get your uh, Vision Pro uh, demo. When's that? When's that happening? It's supposed to happen this weekend. So, oh, th- this next weekend? This coming weekend? Yeah, th- this coming. Okay. I think it's Saturday. All right. I, I think you should. I-, I I think you should do it. I think you'll end up getting one. Oh man! But yeah. <laughs> but you know what? You can sell it to yourself because after you get one, you'll never need to buy an iPad ever again. Ask not what your podcast can boost for you. But what you can boost for your podcast. You know what I'm saying? You'll, you'll just, uh, just lots of iPads in the VR environment. Oh, my God. <laughs> 
Sir Alex Gates is our baller this week with 23,456 sets. Hey, Rich Lobster! Alex writes, uh, he's a podcasting 2.0 consultant. He writes, I've been tracking Immersed for a while now, but I keep waiting for them to add Valve Index support. Allegedly, it's coming soon with either Steam VR or OpenXR. Not sure if it was mentioned on the show, but it also supports Linux, which is a hard requirement for me. The only other thing option I'm aware of is Simula VR, which is a hit or miss. Yeah, uh, Simula VR is interesting because it's like a i7 computer on your face way before the Vision Pro. The Immersed app I like because it does run on Linux, doesn't currently support Wayland, but it is available for the Vision Pro, it's available for the Quest and a few other headsets. And so Immersed seems like the app that it's kind of the way. I'm going to have probably more to say on Linux Unplugged. I'm going to test a couple of scenarios, so I'll, I'll do some follow-up on the Linux podcast. Uh, once I get it all figured out. But appreciate that boost, Sir Alex Gates. The same cat comes in with 20,000 sats and says, hey, I followed you on Noster. Thanks for the show. Hey, I'm on Noster. Have you ever seen it? Have you, Primal? I think it's, if you want to see it, you're probably going to not like what you see. But if you just want like a quick peek at Noster, Primal.net. 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 Let's see. It's like one of them web clients. It does. Oh, yeah. We looked at the. Yeah, I looked at yeah. this. Yeah, yeah. It, that one is more uh, a little more Bitcoin focused, so that's why I don't mention. I'm at chrislast.com. I just have that forward to there. Uh, I, I don't know. I'm gonna eventually put effort into it, but uh, I'm not a big social media guy. But I appreciate the follow, of the same cat, and appreciate the boost too. Jeremy Ross comes in with ten thousand sats. His great episode, listening from Frisco, Texas. Mmm, Texas. Frisco, huh? I wonder how far that is from old Austin. I'm gonna look it up right now. So you don't have to tell me. I'm looking it up. Looks like you got a nice park. I'm zooming out. I'm zooming out. Okay. Oh, I see. You're just north of Dallas. Well, I mean, what is that? Like a what is that? Like a six hour drive to Austin from uh, from where you're at, Jeremy? Might be worth it for Texas Linux Fest. Let me know if you're gonna be there. What about Florida Fest? Oh, is there a Texas or I mean, is there a Texas Florida Fest? <laughs> where, where the people of Texas celebrate Florida man in all his glory. I am genuinely looking for an excuse to come down there and see you. I mean, just seeing you obviously isn't enough an excuse, but like if there was some other Linux thing, I might do it. You know, I keep looking for them. It it seems like uh, Florida is just all about gators. Yeah, and Windows. Oh, yeah. Well, we do have a big-ass Microsoft campus. So <laughs> I tell you what. I tell you what. They, uh, they're just heavy. They're heavy in the in the air. Uh, user 46, I don't think you set your user ID, comes in on Fountain with 12,000 sats. Coming in hot with the boost. <laughs> Y'all violated Hallen's Razor talking about Microsoft this episode regarding Teams and other Microsoft services. Organizations are choosing Microsoft not because of a sly salesperson is they're greasing the wheel. But because Microsoft made it cheap and implementation and sales, you got something here. Microsoft 365 is just like Windows Server. It's full of half-baked good enough services. <laughs> wow. That is strong. Yeah. <clears throat> they said basically what you get to do with the Microsoft services now is transfer the headache to a software as a service platform. <laughs> That's, yeah, just transfer. Like it's still a nightmare to manage, but at least you don't have to manage it, right? Right. It's, it's the Tylenol of services. You're still sick, but you really don't feel it as much. So. <laughs> Faraday Fedora sent in a row of ducks, 2022 sats. He says, I got to say. I've seen some neat stuff with the Apple Vision, but it's just VR with Apple Polish. And really, VR should stay indoors. I'd argue that the Persona and FaceTime calls is actually the most impressive bit. Okay, I, I just want to say one of the things I'm going to try to do in my test is like, we're going to have to have an old man radio again about I've had to pick up a fitness routine. Oh. And also, just 
Fun fact for anybody else who uh, has been retaining water and has to take Lasix. Uh, companies are allowed to lie to you about the sodium content in their stuff. And if you're of a certain age with uh, any kind of heart issue, if you eat or drink too much salt, you will retain water and like literally gain five pounds in a day because you, you just like it's it's like you're like a balloon. So just keep that in mind because just because the package says low sodium, if you flip it over and look at like the competing brands equivalent product, this is particularly bad for snack foods. I learned this the hard way on the Super Bowl. Oftentimes the like more I mean in this case it was potato chips, like the low sodium big name potato chip was actually higher sodium than the regular of the store brand. So oh. keep that you know, this is the kind of thing that gets me really worked up because my wife is a type one mm-hmm. and so sugar, sugar, yeah, sugar. It's the same yeah. thing with sugar. There's they sneak it into everything, everything. And our food has really gotten to a weird point. Well, like some sodas, I like I, I've been uh, on kind of a Sprite kick because I, you know, just I like Sprite. Uh, Sprite's good, but some sodas actually put salt in them, which you would think is crazy. So just keep that in mind, folks. Uh, you're a PSA. It's bad here in the States, but I'll tell you, when I travel to El Salvador, it's even worse in the sugar department. They're slipping mm. in some of those countries where they have maybe uh, like more price sensitivity. They're slipping fillers and sugar in, and they're not putting it on the labels. Well, well they do it in lieu of – it's like a filler, right? It's like yeah, in yeah. lieu of whatever. But anyway, so <clears throat> a way to mitigate this is to try to do like uh, cardio workouts, right? Like jumping jacks in particular. I might need some bail money, Chris, because I'm going to attempt (laughs) to, in the Brandon Mall this weekend, do jumping jacks with an Apple Vision Pro on. I am pretty sure I'm going to, like, accidentally punch out an old person. Just The thing better be useful for fitness. You got to test. Well, I would think because, like, we have the Oculus 2. I know you have the Fancy 3 now, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. We have the 2, and, like, my stepdaughter and I, it's always, uh, you know, everybody loves the, the Beat Saber game. I get my ass handed to me by Vader. Sometimes I sit in a post-apocalyptic universe run by the EU, just cry. It's good use of VR. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, it looks even better in the three. Oh, does it really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. You can really see the smoke coming up from the buildings. It's yeah, it's really great. You 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 can be like Charlton Heston and just cry over the Statue of Liberty the whole time. <laughs> uh, I I do agree. Actually, I feel like in all the reviews, they have been so mean on the FaceTime personas. Meanwhile, I'm like, the tech is so damn impressive that they're even kind of that close is respectable. Um, I'd feel slightly embarrassed, but I don't think I'd feel any more embarrassed than when I joined a meeting this last week and I had a cartoon avatar of me. And uh, I I was described by somebody else who I won't name as I looked like a lesbian with a beard. I I don't – I mean I tried to make it look like me. I don't know. Maybe I just look like a lesbian with a beard. Okay. I just want to say that does sound like something I would say. It was not me, folks. No. It was not you. (laughs) No. Somebody on the call. Um, So, you know, maybe personas aren't so bad after all. I don't know. I mean the Vision Pro – okay. So I'm going to shut up about this till next show because literally last week we did the show and my Apple rep called me 15 minutes later because I did not know he listens. Hey, Craig. Uh, and I was like, oh, I'm getting you a demo. You're getting a demo right now. I think you should. I really do. Yeah. yeah. No, it's booked. I'm going. It, it, right. It's very fancy. They send you like a nice email. It's like, I'm like, ooh, geez. Ooh. I told my wife she has to take my wallet. Yeah, well. No. I mean, you might just want to take it just in case. No. Just no. Case. I'm, I'm not. Do- I, 
Listen, you know how my impulse control is. I know. You might want to just take it in case. Just in case. Yeah. So my Apple rep's like, yeah, we'll stop at the bar first and then yeah. we'll we'll do the demo. Well, you know, I mean, what if it makes you a better worker, which makes you earn more, makes you more efficient? You could probably figure it out. You know, I mean, unless we could finally do our VR special, which I, I think yeah. we should do with the Quest. Cause yeah. Yeah. $3,500, man. I mean, for, but, but you, I know, but you just got to try it. You got to try it. I'm going to try it. I agree to try it. I agree to try the fitness stuff. Yeah. Maybe you should bring the wallet. Oh, no. <laughs> Fun will now commence. Ryan boosts in with 15,000 sats and just says, Peter F. Hamilton, all the way. All right. Yes. There we go. Yes. Max Power comes in with 3,499 sats using Fountain. Says, hey, guys, I, re- I recently conceived a friend. Conceived? I think Con- convinced, convinced a friend. Conceived, did not birth. Yeah. He did not yeah. create a friend. <laughs> convinced a friend to buy the Vision Pro. And my new goal is to convince one of you. Imagine sitting at your desk in your coder robe wearing the Vision Pro, working on a 100-inch screen. That's the peak look for a developer in 2024. Love the show. Here's some sats to help survive the ad winter. I don't need help spending money. <laughs> Thank you for those sats. And I mean, I'm just picturing it, Mike. And it does, if you just look at human evolution as an arc, it, uh, you could be at the leading edge of evolution. That's that so feels sad like that you're probably right. <laughs> Cookies comes in with 5,000 sats and just says, enjoy. Thank you, Cookies. Cookies. Cookie, cookies. Nine boosters, and we stacked 92,177 sats. Thank you, everybody. Really appreciate that value for value. You can boost in with a new podcast app, podverse.fm and fountain.fm are some favorites. And Castomatic on iOS seems to be a real winner. Podcastapps.com. You get some sats in there. You don't have to hodl if you don't want. You just get some sats in there and boost in with your message, and then we'll decide what to do with them. We really appreciate that. We'll have links to all that stuff in the show notes. And, of course, if you'd like to send us your fiat fund coupons, while they're still worth something, you can do that to coder.show slash membership. <laughs> we have that over there. Before our meta post-apocalyptic New York <laughs> becomes true. Yes. Yeah. And you know what? You get an ad-free version of the show. You get the Coder QA when that's out there. It's all good. So either way, we appreciate you. Mr. Dominic, is there, um, I don't know, somewhere you want to send the good people before we skip? Yeah, check out uh, my company, Alice. Yes, that's right. We did a sexy name change. So it's uh, the website's alice.dev because uh, I apparently bought that domain a long time ago. Nice. And uh, I'm holding on to it because I am not paying those crazy new renewal fees. And yeah, if you need some automation stuff done, let me know. Automated reporting, automated data at Linux. I got you. Alice.dev. Book a time. Let's chat. It's a coder discount. You do have to say you like Jar Jar to get the discount. So whatever. You know, suck it up. <laughs> I mean, that seems fair, right? You you can kind of find me on Twitter or X, Weapon X. Uh, I will say that the level of crypto, sorry, Chris, and uh, just hooker spam that I'm getting in my DMs has kept me off the platform. So, hey, man, I don't know. I'm not really into the socials these days. Don't you tie me to those guys? LinkedIn. Find me on LinkedIn. I do LinkedIn. You know, the, prob- the problem is as long as we have crazy liquidity sloshing around, we're going to just see all these ridiculous... I was hoping, Mike, I was hoping that when the Fed raised rates and tightened, we'd see like all these crap coins just die off. You know, I was hoping. You know, I promised myself I wasn't going to talk about the weirdness that's happening with the interest rates and how it's not exactly worked as one might have expected. No. Yeah. No. And and uh, here we see things just still... I just, oh, getting me started. But man, I tell you what, I, maybe, maybe one day, maybe one. We are live, and that's great because, I don't know, you could join the chat room and influence the show. I don't know. But you know what? You could also uh, bang suggest as the show goes along and help us title this thing and 
gives it a nice live vibe. Yeah, and suggest us into it. All genders, all creeds, all religions. So, you know. Yeah. Yeah. You might be able to title an episode and uh, get to chat with a bot. I mean, that's a win-win. And, of course, it just gives us that live vibe. Now, we kind of – we oscillate on Mondays or Tuesdays. Have we decided? Are we just going to stick to Tuesdays? Have we decided? That? I guess we'll just stick to Tuesdays because okay. every time we do Monday, we end up slacking each other. God damn it because something happens, right? Yeah, it's like Mondays are the worst. Mondays are the worst. We are a meme, but it is true. Mondays are the worst. Okay, so we'll do it on Tuesday. And if you show up a little early, you get to catch the launch, which is a little music, a little news, all that kind of stuff. So uh, join us over there at jblive.tv on a Tuesday. Starts around, I don't know, 11.30 a.m. Pacific, 2.30 Eastern. Do the math. <laughs> I'm not your mom. Do the math. I mean, or just open your clock app and it will tell you the different times. Yeah, so that's, that's a good point. We have it on the calendar, too, so that does the math. Links to what we talked about today, coder.show slash 557. Over there, you'll find our contact form. We love your emails. You'll also get all the other links you might need, like our chat room and all that jazz. Thanks so much for joining us on this week's episode of the Coder Radio Program. Thank you for sharing it with a friend, maybe a loved one. Put a hand on him and say, hey, I got something for you. I got a little coder. Coder.show slash 557. Oh, I got a big coder for you, too. (laughs) 